The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tim Brown. I'm not coming to you live this morning from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina uh, because this is, show is pre recorded, so the phone numbers that I have up there won't be of any use to you guys because we won't be doing that. And those of you listening, the phone lines are not opening. Uh, I'm the editor at sonsoflibertymedia.com. For a Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, sonsoflibertyradio.com or sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you want to watch the video portion of the show, you can do so at sonsoflibertymedia.com. Just head over there and scroll down the right, and you can see the face is made for radio. And you can also catch that live video feed on my Twitter account at FPPTim. Uh, that's tied to my Periscope account, which is Setting Brush Fires. Our Facebook page is Bradley Dean SOL. Our YouTube channel is B Dean Sons of Liberty. We're also on BeforeIt'sNews.com. Michael Roach gives us a place over there every weekday morning, 6 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Time on Saturday. And then Bradley's on in the afternoon at 3 p.m. Monday through Saturday as well. And finally, you can catch us on DLive.TV at The Sons of Liberty. You can also, if you're branching out on social media, Spreely, Gab, MeWe, Minds, and USA.Live. We're there at Sons of Liberty and Sons of Liberty Media. As I said, we're not going to open up the phones today. We're just going to move right through what we're doing here and uh, bring on our guest. Uh, he really needs no introduction unless you've not heard the name Chuck Baldwin. Uh, he was a vice presidential candidate uh, in one season and a presidential candidate in the next election cycle. I think that was back in 2004, 2008. I'll have him correct me if I'm wrong about that. He's a pastor at Liberty Fellowship. They go live every Sunday uh, around, I think it's 2 p.m., uh, Central Standard Time. I'll let him correct that again if I'm wrong about that. But we're bringing Pastor Chuck on because of the issue, as I was telling him, it's not really an elephant in the room for some people. For some people, this is just part of the room. And that is our connection with Israel, uh, some people's understanding and belief that they are the people of God, uh, and I'm talking about modern geopolitical Israel, that they are somehow, um, you know, we have to bless them or God will not bless us. And the misunderstanding that's there because it has a lot of ramifications. So we're going to talk to Pastor Baldwin here this morning about that. And with that said, Pastor Baldwin, welcome to the Sons of Liberty. Thank you, Tim. Great to be with you. And we broadcast about 2.15, 2.20. That's Mountain Time on Sunday afternoon, live stream. 
Okay. That's, yeah. Mountain uh, time. Yeah. I'm thinking of Bradley at central time, but you're right. It's mountain time. Thank you for clarifying that. Did I, did I get anything else wrong when I was doing that? Nope. The rest was right. I was the vice presidential candidate, uh, nominee for the constitution party in 2004. Michael Pruko was the presidential nominee. And then in 2008, I was selected as the nominee for the party uh, for president uh, in that in that year, going up against John McCain and Barack Obama. Okay. Yep. I remember that. I voted for you guys both in both of those elections. And um, and I you know I wish there was opportunity for that to be done again uh, on a on a platform where they actually gave somebody who had some understanding of things an opportunity to debate the guys who are basically yeah. what I say the two dog bowls that the media and the um, the two political parties put up for people to eat from. With that said, yeah. you know, you know, Tim, uh, since you said that before we launch into the to the topic of, of the day, let me just let your listeners know that anybody who thinks that we have free and fair elections in this country doesn't have a clue about the political process. The political process is completely manipulated and dominated by the two major parties, which at the highest levels are one and the same. Let me just give you a couple examples from from my campaign. I remember whenever we were trying to get on the various media outlets and uh, to present our our platform and our issues to the people that we had a, a CNN producer. Uh, this would be a producer now who told my uh, my media relations uh, lady that she would love to have me on any of the CNN shows at the time. And she went on to explain why she she thought I would be a great guest and and so forth. And then after that conversation, she said at the very end, but we have been told not to have Mr. Baldwin on CNN. Well, now, this is a producer. And so somebody told the producer not to have me on the network. So this was the kind of treatment that we got from all of the major networks, including Fox News. That the only the only host who was brave enough to disobey his superiors <clears throat> during that period was Lou Dobbs, and he was with CNN at that time. And Lou Dobbs had me on his his program, and six months later, Lou Dobbs was no longer working for CNN. I'm sure that's a coincidence. So I, I just want people to realize when you talked about getting to see the, I, mean, I have people that would be, you know, writing us all the time, saying, "Why don't I see you on Fox? Why don't I see you on MSNBC? Why don't I see you on CNN? You know, you guys just aren't doing anything. You know, you're not working hard. You're not. You're not." And they don't realize how controlled the system is. That anybody who does not a part of the two-party uh, system, is not invited to the dance. And the thing about it is we had enough uh, potential electoral votes. By that I mean we were nominated in enough states across the country that we could have potentially won the 270 electoral votes to become president. And, you know, that should be by itself a, a qualification for making the various debates. But that didn't matter either. So, you know, and there was only four of us that that met that threshold, and yet only the two parties were allowed uh, on the stage. 
So this is what I'm saying, that this is a totally controlled political system, and people don't understand it. They think that they we have free and fair elections, and we don't. Just thought I'd give you that example. No, I'm, I'm well aware of that. In fact, uh, the only reason I saw Micah Peruca was in a debate with him, the Communist Party guy, the Libertarian Party guy, and I think it was a Green Party woman at the time. And he's the only candidate I've ever – they had 10 questions. The only candidate I've ever heard – Actually answer. He didn't answer one. He answered two this way. He says, well, the Constitution didn't give me any authority to do that. I wouldn't do anything. <laughs> that was his answer. Right. And I was like, right. well, wow, that's kind of refreshing that he uh, he recognizes those things. But we're not here. We're, well, I guess in some ways we're here to talk a little bit about that because they are shaping up. And people's view of the nation state Israel, uh, modern geopolitical Israel in the Middle East, do impact some of what they vote for, um, especially among uh, American Christians, where we've had dispensationalism. If you're not familiar with that, people look it up. I, I don't have time to go into it. That would take several shows to do that. Mm-hmm. We're just going to try to run through this. And it is seeing that that the modern state of Israel and anybody who calls themselves a Jew is somehow God's people when the scriptures say something completely different than that. And so the first question I want to ask you, Dr. Baldwin, is this. Why does why does this even matter? What what how does this def- affect the average Joe and America in general? Yeah, it, it it affects them because it has dominated our our political system for the last seventy plus years, ever since the state of Israel came into existence in nineteen forty eight. As a result of that. It has become, as you said, the 800-pound gorilla in the room, or maybe the room itself, especially so among evangelical Christians who, for the most part, dominate Republican Party politics, especially when it comes to foreign policy. So you have to go back to really the the 19th century and the writings of C.I. Schofield, the, the, the dispensationalist, Israel-based, prophetic futurist doctrines were born in, in that period of time. And it's interesting that when you go back and read the history of all this, <clears throat> that it was you know, outstanding preachers like Charles Spurgeon, who at the time came out vehemently against these, at that time, new doctrines that were being taught by John Darby and Schofield and, and, and a few others. Basically, that was, that was centering Bible prophecy, not around Christ, but around the nation of Israel. Israel became the focal point of prophecy under this new dispensationalist futurism doctrines promoted by these guys. So that was the, the, the genesis of it. And then whenever the the Zionists, who at that very same time, of course, were politically uh, manipulating uh, the, the affairs of, of world politics to bring about the creation of the state of Israel, they were also using C.I. Schofield to create the Schofield Reference Bible, of course, which was produced by Oxford University with a Zionist organization and and it was produced at, with, with the money and the support of the Zionist movement. And the whole idea of the Zionist Bible, the, the Schofield Reference Bible, was to convince 
America's evangelical Christians that this new state of Israel was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy relative to the coming of Christ and and therefore would cause them to to support the state of Israel from a theological point of view, which would give the Zionist movement tremendous impetus in the United States especially, and in Great Britain as well, uh, by the evangelicals, which were so, you know, uh, influential in, in the political process at the time, and it worked. And let me, let me explain because people don't really understand. That we we that grew up in the 20th century and now we're in the 21st century, we don't really understand how all this Bible presentation and Bible commentaries and reference Bibles and study Bibles, how that all evolved and how it's impacted not only the spiritual base of our country but the political base as well. Let me explain that. When when Men before Schofield wrote Bible commentaries, you know, whether it was Matthew Henry or, or John Gill or Albert Barnes or whoever, the, the old commentators had such a reverence and a respect for the Holy Bible that they would, they would not dare to write their comments, their human words from a human mind on the same page as the divinely inspired Word of God. They thought that would be showing great disrespect, if not blasphemy, to, to the Bible itself. Because people would read the Word of God, and then in the same page they'd read the Word of man. And so the, the commentators, I mean, this is for centuries. This is from the, from the beginning of the church age uh, until Schofield the commentators would not put their notes on the same page as the Bible. Therefore, if you wanted to have a Bible commentary, you had to buy a separate book. So in order to study the Bible, you'd have an open Bible on, on one side of the desk, and then the other side you'd have the open commentary, and then you'd read back and forth from book to book. And that's how the commentaries were written, but that was the reason why they wrote it that way, is because of their respect for the Scriptures. Schofield comes along, and they develop the idea, look, let's take the words of Schofield and let's put them on the same page as the Bible. They didn't have the same respect for the Word of God that the old commentators had before. And by that, by, by that one simple uh, technique of taking the notes, the, the study notes, and putting them on the same page as the Scripture, it, it was a marketing genius and that's why the Schofield Reference Bible became so popular in the Western part of the world. <clears throat> that, it, that was it. It was simply, you know, at that time, people were not even thinking about uh, Zionism or Christian Zionism or, or Schofield-based prophetic futurism or, or any of they, that. That was a totally new doctrine that they really were not familiar with. And that wasn't the reason that they had about the Bible. That wasn't the reason... The Schofield Bible became so popular. It became so popular was because of that that marketing strategy that I just said. That, wow, this is so convenient. You know, this is the attitude of the consumer. This is so convenient. We can have the commentary and the Bible in one book. We don't have to buy two books. And and so that guaranteed the success of the Schofield Reference Bible. And then over the next few decades, the contents of Schofield notes began to 
uh, you'd be absorbed by the pastors and teachers and Christians across America. And then uh, after a few decades, it became the preeminent theological position relative to, to eschatology, especially after the advent of the state of Israel on May 14, 1948. Yeah, let me let me ask something about that, because we, we see um, uh, he was the one who really popularized it. There were people before him. There were Darby and there were some other people before him. In fact, some of these people affected some of the people who actually uh, began uh, the state of Israel. Uh, I think Theodore Herzl was influenced by some of these guys because uh, most people don't know it. Theodore Herzl was going to start Israel in Uganda, of all places. That's and uh, true. yeah, and these dispensationalist guys, they come along and they said, well, no, no, no. You know, the, we're, they're starting, they've got this you know, futuristic eschatology going on. And they're saying, no, the Bible says that, you know, God's going to restore Israel and the land of Jerusalem and this, that, and the other. And so, you know, he was like, okay, well, I'll go with that. And that's what they started to do. There's a great book. Um, for people who are interested in it, it's called The Praise of Folly, The Enigmatic Life and Theology of C.I. Schofield. It's by David Lutzweiler, and I had the privilege of knowing David before he went to be with the Lord. And we did a video when I was at NiceInCouncil.com, and we had David speaking about Schofield's life. And some of the things were just so bizarre where he, he wanted to correct Deal Moody, of all people, and say, you know, Paul... When he went to be with the Lord, you know, he had his head cut off. When he stood in the presence of the Lord, he didn't have a head. I mean, that was some of the weird stuff that this guy was. And then, of course, his family life was just really sinful, and there's a lot of problems with, with the man himself. But all, right. all of this comes by, and it's, and it's promoting at the core, at the center, is Israel. And with that, it was kind of interesting that you say, instead of eschatology being that which promotes the Christ— this is really promoting Antichrist. It's promoting the spirit of Antichrist. And if I can, let me read this, and maybe you want to add to some of these things. A lot of people get uh, hung up in the dispensational, you know, left behind kind of stuff, and they're trying to pin the tail on the Antichrist and all this stuff. And yet the scriptures are very clear. For instance, 1 John 2.22 2, 2 says this, Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. In 1 John 2.18, it says, uh, Little children, it is the last hour, and as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. In 1 John 4.3, he continues and he says, And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, and I think what John is communicating is that, that God came in the flesh, because that's John 1.1, 1, 1, he wrote that too, is not of God, and this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. And one final one, Second John uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 7 says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an Antichrist. This is the only place Antichrist, the term Antichrist, is used in the Scriptures. And um, it's specific. It is, a, it is a person that holds a doctrine that denies that Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh. And uh, the, the modern state of Israel, as well as pretty much every other religion in the world, are antichrists at their core because they deny this simple truth, and this uh, pervades who they are. So how is it that people are drawn into the thing, into believing that somehow the modern state, anti antichrist Israel, is akin to biblical Israel? How is that? Well, again, it, it's the... 
the belief in the Schofield notes relative to the prophecies of of Christ's second coming. And in one of the major portions of scripture that they use is Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3. I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And of course, that was given to Abram and they interpret the dispensationalists you're referring to, they they interpret that passage to mean the modern state of Israel, which is a, a complete falsehood and misinterpretation of that passage. <clears throat> Furthermore, when you read the book of Galatians, chapter 3 and verse 16, you'll find that there the Apostle Paul, in in the clearest and plainest of terms, tells us that the promise given to Abram by God in in Genesis chapter 12 was fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ not not any so-called nation of of people but rather one person and that was the Lord Jesus Christ Amen. the fulfillment of that of that Abrahamic covenant was was fulfilled in Christ and they they miss that of course and they apply it as Schofield instructed them to this state of Israel that was created in 1948. And so that, that's the beginning of it. So when you, when you take in the notes and, and their completion, uh, when you read the, the Schofield uh, theology regarding prophecy, it is, it is completely centered around the state of Israel and the Antichrist, as you just said a few minutes ago. And of course, um, in my I have three Israel packages that I I've spent several years. You know, I grew up in all this. You know that uh, I grew up in dispensational I did too. futurism. Yeah, okay. And <clears throat> I was trained in at school, and I taught it for over thirty years, et cetera. So this took a lot for me to to realize the error of this, and then to study, you know, and find the truth and and wrap your mind around all this is really uh, it, it's 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 an amazing process but in, in so doing i produced three israel packages a total of 29 messages relative to to this setting the foundation for the understanding of israel because until you understand the foundation of what the bible says about israel no one can understand properly bible prophecy bible prophecy does not float around in the air on its own. It's it's grounded and founded on concrete Bible truth. And that's why we get all these weird interpretations of prophecy that you hear on television every day by these televangelists. Uh, they're, they're, I mean, they're just creating prophecy out of thin air based on nothing, absolutely nothing. But prophecy is built on the truth of God's Word. It has a foundation. It has a grounding. And, and these 29 messages are that foundation. And one of the messages I brought in line with what you just said was a message called, I will curse them that bless thee. I took Genesis 12 and just changed the, the, the wording around. I will curse them, Israel, the state of Israel, that bless thee. Instead of blessing those that, that bless Israel, God will curse those that blesses the state of Israel. And I prove that from many of the scriptures 
including some of the ones that you just referenced, whenever we choose to deliberately, volitionally bless and support, give aid and comfort to antichrists and to an antichrist system and the spirit of antichrist that you just read from the from the book of First John, we are inviting God's judgment uh, because God's judgment, of course, is upon all things antichrist. And whenever we support a system or a, a nation of people, a political ideology, a religion, name it, that is at its core antichrist, then God is not only not obligated to bless us, but he's obligated to curse us under his judgment. And so that's one of the messages in my series that goes right along with what you just said. Well, let's take that a step further, okay? So, because I've heard some of your messages. Now, let's talk about where this came in, and then I want you maybe to to touch on something that you said in your message, and that was, if America is to look back to the beginning of the nation-state of Israel, to 1948, America has been probably the premier country in in just, you know, unabated support of Israel. And if you look back at that, with all the blessings since 1948, has America become more blessed or cursed? Now, before you answer that, can you explain a little bit to people how some of this stuff began to get into the political framework? I, don't, I want to say it was Wilson, uh, who was one of the first who was influenced heavily by this. I may be wrong about that, but I know he was one of them that the dispensationalists really went after uh, really started pushing the Israel stuff and this kind of thing. And it began, it began to get in our national politics, which has tremendous effects on our domestic policies, domestic laws, and our foreign right. policies. You want to you take a tackle at that? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> we, could th- we could take the rest of the hour on that one. All right. Well, let's yeah, do it. <laughs> I, you know, uh, back when Israel was was created in 1948 that was just when, when the actual document was signed and it was the official birthday but the the genesis of the state itself was already in in full operation before 1948 and it was it was Harry Truman that was the one that uh, really from the from from the US perspective who really was the one that that gave uh, the Zionists, and it wasn't it wasn't Israel at that time. It was just the, the Zionist movement. It, it was it was Truman that gave his blessing to the Zionist movement and allowed all of this activity to begin. There were two nations that really brought Israel into existence. One was Great Britain, of course, and the Balfour decision. And they they were the ones that held title to Palestine and all of that, and then of course the United States and and the the UN, of course was I believe the UN was created uh, mainly for the purpose of creating the state of Israel. I believe that's why the United Nations was actually created. But nevertheless, so under under the administration of Truman, America became a uh, a, a a you know one of the forces of of promotion relative to the creation of the state of Israel as you just as you just noted. And so, you know, when all this began, it, it, it again it was such a it was such a new concept and, and it was it was very much not a part 
at least as far as the people were concerned. I, I think it was always a part. I think it was a part of World War One and part of World War Two, actually. But digressing. The point is, is, is that whenever all this began, it, those two nations were the ones most responsible for for the creation of of the state of Israel. Now, and you're right. They, you know, Herzl and 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 Ben Gurion and the others, they they really weren't convinced that that Palestine was the place to to create this, this this nation they they looked at Uganda very very hard and they looked at actually they looked at other places as well but then the 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 people that were familiar with Old Testament prophecy among the Zionists said that we they needed to make it a Palestine basically for one reason and that was to dupe the Christians of America and that's truly why they selected Palestine, and and all the the bit the, the Bible jargon that they use about Israel and the fulfillment of that's all a ruse. The, the whole thing was they knew that they had to have the support of the West, especially the United States, and in order to do that, they had to have the support of the Christians of the United States. Christianity, as a political force, uh, was even perhaps greater. In, in depth then than it is now and, and, and is still today a, a great political force within our our country, especially in the Republican Party. So they knew that in order to do this, they had to have the support of the American Christian. So in order to have the support of the American Christian, they had to dupe them into believing that this was a supernatural act of God. This was they had to, they had to bring God into the equation to gain the support of the American Christian. That's why. They chose. That's ultimately why they chose Palestine, because they knew that that would bring in. And then, of course, by that time, uh, you know, uh, Schofield's Bible had several decades of indoctrination. It was already now uh, the most popular Bible in the United States. It was in all the Christian bookstores. It was it was the Bible that all the pastors were carrying to the pulpits. You know, it was the one that all the Bible seminaries were using, et cetera. So over that decade, those decades, uh, Christian Zionism became very popular among Christians, and this was before the advent of, of the state of Israel. So all that worked together to to dupe the American Christian in order to gain the support, because without it, they could not have done it. They had it. They, it and man, I tell you, and when I get along this subject, my mind takes me to the to the ethnic cleansing that took place. If 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 Christians knew the the ethnic cleansing that took place beginning in December of 1947 and continuing through 1948, 49, 50, and even up until the 1967 um, blitzkrieg that Israel used against the, her neighbors to extend their territory. And, and and the genocide that's still taking place today among the Palestinian people and the so-called occupation forces and resettlement and all those fancy words, it's nothing more than ethnic cleansing of the Palestinian people. It, it, the, the, the pure terror and horror, I, I will even, on your show today, I will even say that what Israel did to the Palestinians Beginning in in December of 1947, which which is when the when it began, which when the attacks began, was a and is a Holocaust, and 
and I say that, and I, I challenge anyone to dispute it after they look at the facts. You know, it, it, these Christians who become all righteously indignant about the Holocaust that took place in Germany, and then they sit back with utter indifference and apathy to the Holocaust that's taken place in Palestine, I think show a tremendous hypocrisy on behalf of the American church today. It's, it's appalling the way this whole thing came into existence. The, the murder, the mayhem, the, the rape, the pillage, the plunder, the burning of, of entire villages, the bombing, the, the, the utter destruction and, and I would say genocide of the Palestinian people over the next several decades and with the support of Christians in the United States, believing that they're doing God a favor. Jesus said the time will come when they'll kill you and they'll think you're doing God a favor. Well, you know, and a lot of these Palestinians are Christian people. You know, they love the Lord Jesus. They worship Christ. They, they, they believe all of the things about the Lord that, that you and I believe. They, they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, of course, there are Muslims among the Palestinians as well, and there's there's other faiths among the, the Palestinians. But a, a sizable percentage of the Palestinian population are Christian, and and so they are the ones that are the victims of of this Holocaust, along with the other indigenous people of, of Palestine, and and yet the Christians in America, when you try to talk to them about this, they just roll their eyes, and and it doesn't even it makes no impact upon their conscience whatsoever that we are deliberately, willingly, and directly supporting a, a genocidal treatment of our own brothers and sisters in Christ at the hands of the Antichrist Zionists over in the modern state of Israel. That That's just a part of this story, Tim. It's, it's just, it's the most unbelievable it's the most unreported the the most uh, non-story of the 20th century it, it it's it's the thing that nobody knows anything about and yet it rivals any great uh, disaster of humanity any great national or international crisis of humanity it rivals anything that, is, that took place in the 20th century, and yet nobody is aware of it, and even whenever you talk about it, they deny it. This it, it gives you a little idea of how successful this, this devilish Zionist movement has been at, at ushering in death and destruction and hell on earth. Uh, and if these Christian people think this is of God, it shows you how subtle and how successful the evil one has been in using Zionism to inflict all of this death and destruction on the world. Yeah, I, I know what some people are thinking right now because they're thinking probably a couple of things that that I <clears throat> have referenced before. Uh, the Palestinian Charter uh, wanting to push uh, Israel in the sea, the idea that Yasser Arafat leading that being I believe he was Egyptian or whatever, uh, bringing him in as the head of the PLO, um, some of the things that's going on in there uh, with that. And so they would bring up, at least for the modern, you know, what, last 20 or 30 years, 40 years, whatever, 
a lot of people would see that and they would say, okay, but they're just defending themselves, which look, yeah. I'm, I'm fine with the I'm fine with the country that just defends itself. That's fine. Any country can do that. They have the right to do that and they should do that. Right. Um, but that's not what happened here. Right. But you, that's not you, what happened here. you've got some information about that. I didn't know if you want to kind of um, provide some of that so that people could say, okay, well, look, I'm willing to look at it. I, I'll, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. What's a couple of examples you're giving here? You're kind of speaking in generalities, even though you've given us some dates. What would be some things that you would say, hey, you need to look at this, maybe one or two things that that they should look at for themselves to educate themselves so that they can draw their own conclusion from it? Yeah, there's an Israeli historian who's one of the very uh, finest regarded as as one of the the brightest and, and one of the best Israeli historians. Uh, who has written a book, uh, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but Ilian Poppy or something of that nature. And he wrote a book, The Ethnic Cleansing of Palestine. For anybody who questions anything that I've said or will say on this program, I challenge them to go purchase that book and to read it very carefully. He documents the dates, the names, the places as as any you know, real detailed, accurate historian would do. And he he makes it clear in no uncertain terms on how the Israelis attacked uh, Palestinian villages. And he names the dates. He names the villages. He names the Israeli generals and the, and the, and the uh, political leaders in Israel and in the United States and in Great Britain. Uh, he also talks about the willingness of the state of Jordan to sit back and allow a lot of this to happen. The only time Jordan came on the scene to help defend uh, some of the land was whenever Israel began to attack East Jerusalem, and that's when Jordan put up a fight. And uh, they they repelled the invasion of East, of East Jerusalem. But except for that, the, the Jordanian army, which was the largest army, the most powerful army in the region at that time, actually uh, King Abdullah made a deal with uh, Ben-Gurion, and a financial deal, and the land deal. And so that, that took him out of the resistance. So the, the, the only resistance that with some of, a, few, a few troops from Syria uh, tried to tried to defend uh, Palestine. Uh, they did not have the ability to resist the, the Israelis. Uh, it was it was it was a, a very very well planned, calculated military invasion of Palestine, and the idea was to cleanse Palestine ethnically so that only Israelis would be able to live there. And that's what they largely did. And then, of course, in 1967, whatever they were not able to accomplish land-wise in 1947 and 48, 49, 50, that period, then they they accomplished in 1967 with a blitzkrieg attack against its neighbors. Israel was not attacked by her Arab neighbors in 1967. She attacked the Arab neighbors. It, that's it's it, again, history lies to us about what has taken place over in that part of the world, and and so this again, th- th- this started in December 
1947. This would have been six months before Israel became a state in 1948 in May. And they, they attacked village by village. They attacked region by region. It, it, again, it was a calculated military invasion. And they, the, the, what they did to these villagers, I mean, these villagers were peaceful people. These, these, were, not, these were not military targets. They were not, they were not attacking you know, military strongholds. They were attacking helpless, defenseless villages. The Christians and Muslims were living peacefully side by side in Palestine for thousands of years. They, had, they, they were a, an agrarian culture. They, 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 you know, they had their, their flocks. They had their, their farms. They had their, their villages. They had their, their mosques and their churches. And they, they just lived as, as a very peaceful, uh, nonviolent people for all those hundreds and thousands of years. And when Israel came in with, with their invasion, they, they, they targeted these villages and just literally wiped them off of the earth. They burned them to the ground. They would take the, the, the men from age uh, 15 or 16 all the way up to about 50 or 55 and they would put them in the in if they didn't kill them outright, which many of them were just murdered outright. And the, the, the others were put in these concentration camps and tortured unbelievably. Uh, they were they were deliberately shot in the legs so they would not be able to walk. Uh, the women were were taken and and raped and abused, and and little children uh, were were slaughtered. It didn't matter how old how young. Um, it was just it was a brutal a brutal systematic invasion torture cleansing operation that took the lives of of oh probably a million plus people and another million plus people were were driven from their homes and became refugees uh, of course, many of them dying in the process and, and starving to death and drowning and trying to get on boats and yeah you know, I mean, I mean the, the, if any if you made a movie of this it would be it would be the worst possible uh, um, m- movie depicting brutality death destruction that that we we've ever seen and I'm not exaggerating one single bit if anything I'm leaving so many things out. That I've I've said enough to get the picture, but the the point is, is that is what happened to bring Israel into existence, the state of Israel into existence. Now let me let me ask you something to build off of that because I I think that's some good information. People, you can check it out for yourself. I showed you the book, and uh, you'll be able to pick that up. We'll have the link in the archive there. You recently read, um, you know, some people you you read an. a letter that you received from a, a recent convert um, over in Israel. He became a Christian. I think his name was Joseph. I'm not sure. Oh, yes. That's correct. And, and a lot of people go over to Israel. They get the Holy Land tours. You know, lots of Christians jump on that. You know, uh, false teacher John Hagee takes people, and so does every other, you know, last day's madness guy. Uh, they've taken people over there. A lot of a lot of well-meaning Christians go over there to, to see the land that Jesus walked and all this other. 
And they go over there and they're like, everybody's so nice of that. We don't see any of this, of the persecution of these people. We don't see the persecution of Christians. And yet this guy who's a recent convert to Christ, he writes you. He writes you over there out in Montana where you're at. And he says, I'm happy to endure or something like that. I'm happy to endure the persecutions, the beatings, and the things that I'm suffering at, at the hands of my countrymen because I'm a Christian. T- right. Tell people, I'm sure some people are hearing that going, I just don't believe that. I don't believe they're doing that. These are God's people. I mean, this is the way the people <laughs> think, right? Right. That's the way they think. Yeah, I've been to Israel myself, and I've taken the tours, and I've seen all the holy sites, and you know, I've been there, done that. And you're right. When, when a, anybody from the West, especially America, goes to Israel or, or the land of Palestine, they are treated, uh, you know, like royalty because the the tourist industry is the number one source of economic growth for the state of Israel outside of the surveil the military surveillance industry. Uh, outside of that, tourism is is the number one economic boon for Israel, and they they love our Yankee dollars. So you they are trained to you know to treat us nice. They're, they're trained to show us a good time. They're, they're trained to make us feel comfortable in anything we want. You know, they'll provide and they're just very cordial and, and all that kind of thing. But that's, that's a front. That's that they are, they are using uh, that as a, as a means of making money and bringing money into the state of Israel. And of course they personally benefit as well. So they're, they're feeding off of the tourist industry. But for the for the Israeli Christians who live there, and 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 I preached when I was there the last time. I preached in two churches. I preached in a, a Baptist church in Bethlehem, and I preached in a Baptist church in Jerusalem. And I, I can tell you and your your listeners that ninety eight or ninety nine percent of the Christians in those two churches in which I ministered, were not Jews. They were Palestinians. Most of the Christians in, in Israel are, are Palestinians. And they are, of course, being persecuted on a daily basis. But there are also a few Israeli Christians in Israel. And the one you're speaking of, his name is Joseph, and he wrote me a, a very kind letter. And he, he found Christ watching our, our sermons online. And after he became a Christian, of course, he began witnessing to his family and friends and neighbors about the Lord. He was excited about being saved, and he, he was telling folks about the Lord. He was telling folks about our our, tel- our, our, our Internet broadcasts, etc. And it didn't take very long, and the police authorities uh, began to, first it was, you know, hounding him and hassling him and roughing him up, and then that turned into physical beatings, and then it went from physical beatings to incarceration, putting him in jail. And you know, so he wrote me to tell me about the things that he was enduring in Israel as a, an Israeli Christian. And of course, there is no religious liberty in Israel, and anybody who doesn't understand that doesn't understand anything about Israel. The way they, you know, treating tourists to a good time. Uh, because they're spending thousands of dollars in their country to, to, to you know, to, to be in that industry. 
is, is not indicative of what they do in their day-to-day life as Israelis. There, there is no religious liberty. There is no First Amendment. There is no Constitution. There is no Bill of Rights in the state of Israel. And anyone who lives there, we're talking about people who live there, not talking about tourists. We're talking about people who live there, whether they be Palestinians or whether they be Israelis. Anybody who lives in, in, under the control of, of the Zionist government in Tel Aviv uh, is, is going to be persecuted if they do not subscribe to the Jewish faith or to the atheist faith. If, if you're atheist, you're, you're fine. If you're Jewish, you're fine. But if you are anything else, you are going to feel the full force and weight of persecution by the Israeli government. Let me, so let me, that, that's just one example. Yeah, let me let me let me ask something because we're running up about six minutes. Unless you're going, unless you want to, if you've got time, you want to stay over a little bit. That's fine. But um, one of the things I got, to go, I got to go at two. I'm sorry. Yep, that's fine. That's fine. One of the things I want to ask you. We got about six minutes. When people hear all this, they go, okay, I don't know whether I believe it or not. I'll look up the stuff. Uh, some people are online. I'm sure they're going, yep, yep, I see, I know it. I see it. Um, how would you speak to the average American about this? Uh, how is this impacting them, uh, especially under this administration? He's Donald Trump has been praised by Israel the most probably in our history. Um, his son-in-law is Abad. Uh, a cultic Jew. That's what they. That's what they are. They're a cultist, um, right. and his daughter is as well, Ivanka, and um, and yet uh, we know Donald Trump says from his own books that he was one. He was a Kabbalah student, and so how does this impact regular old you know Americans like Tim and Chuck out here? Uh, this this complete support of Israel. You got about five minutes. Yeah, you know, our entire foreign policy is built around Israel. When you think about all of the wars that have been fought since World War II and since Israel came into existence, and going back to the question of how have we been blessed since we've been blessing Israel, okay, how, how, what, what about our families? What do our families look like since 1948? Are our families in better shape now than they were then? You know what about our economic situation? Are, are we doing better now than now than we were then? You know what about our educational system? Are we doing better now than we were? What about our entertainment industry, and our television shows, and our movies, and and what about our morality across the board and our culture in society? What about our religious life? How are our churches doing? You know when you look at every every available piece of data as to measuring. A society, we're, we're we're not better after seventy years of blessing Israel, it's, and we're we're cursed. We're we're under judgment, and it's because of the message, that, you know, that I preached with this truth. I will curse them that bless thee. We've been blessing this antichrist state of Israel for seventy years, and God has been judging us for seventy years. But what everything we do, as far as foreign policy and and our domestic policy, I mean the. The media, uh, the Congress is, is for the most part, and, and I'm trying to rush here, is for the most part controlled by the Israeli lobby. People look it up. Don't, you know, don't just take my word for it. Look it up. The, the Congress of the United States is controlled by the Israeli lobby. AIPAC and, and the other hundreds of Israeli lobbies, lobbyists 
you know, and billions of dollars are spent lobbying Congress. Congress will not do anything contrary to the wishes of of the Israeli lobby. Uh, the wars that have been fought since World War II, all on behest of Israel. The United States military has killed over two million people, most of them innocent civilians. Two million people. I'm not making it up. Two million people around the world, mostly in the Middle East, at the behest of Israel. How many American soldiers have died in the Middle East? How many American airmen and sailors and Marines have died at the behest of, of Israel? Fighting wars. What We had, a, had an Army general just about six months ago got up and say, the American soldier is proud to die for Israel. Really? Is whenever we whenever we sign up our our young men and women to go into the military, is that what we tell them when we're talking to them about their service for their country? We're telling them that they're signing up to die for the state of Israel. They're signing up to die for a foreign country. I mean, look at the look at the policies inside the United States. A natural disasters down in, in Texas. Whenever the hurricane came through, the 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 city. The city before it would give, and I've documented all this in my columns. People can go into my columns online and read all the documents of this. It, it, they, before they would release federal funds, emergency funds to the people of the of Texas for the for the hurricane that came through, they first had to sign a loyalty statement to Israel. I'm not making it up, and that has happened several times around the country. You talk about impacting. The United States, every area of our life in this country is in one way or another either controlled or heavily influenced by the state of Israel. Well, you know, one of the things, too, and we're coming up on the end of the show here, one of the things that we have here in South Carolina is our knucklehead representatives decided they would just usurp the right to free speech, the freedom to assemble, and go along, you know, with the BDS and outlaw it. You, you can't have any kind of a boycott uh, open boycott of Israel, and I'm like, that Correct. is just silly. What in the world are you? Pe- that's criminal. Right, uh, You're, that's that's actually swearing loyalty to a foreign. Absolutely, country. it is. It's treasonous towards the people. So it does have an impact. It has an impact with the loss of lives of our young men, our young women uh, who go into these wars. Some of them come back maimed. Every one of them is affected in their mind there, because there's nobody who can go into war and not have that impact them. Uh, and then it's our money. We we go into debt with these wars. Of course, it's yes. monopoly money we're dealing with anyway. But it's it's put on the backs of us, our children, our grandchildren, um, all of these kinds of things being perpetrated on the people. So it does have. It isn't just a theological issue. This is the this is the problem some people have understanding. Theological issues have very practical implications to them. And if we if we get it wrong, then boy, we're really in trouble. Look, uh, we're out of time here, uh, Chuck. We appreciate your time. You guys can hear Chuck Baldwin at chuckbaldwinlive.com. I think he says two fifteen. Um, Mountain Time on Sundays, and you can also catch him on Facebook at Chuck Baldwin. You can look him up there and hear him there. Guys, we'll be back with you Saturday morning. Kate Shimarani, 8 a.m. Catch us right here. See ya.